This presentation has been previously broadcast. What's something that happens in life that consistently brings out the worst in you? Something that could turn you from peaceful and content to snarling and livid in a mere moment's time. Got something in mind? I sure know what it is for me. I'll share it with you coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley in for Josh Raymond today. As always, I'm grateful for the opportunity to fill in for Josh and be with you for this hour of spiritual direction. So back to my confession of sorts. The thing that consistently brings out the worst in me, the thing that is most responsible for most, if not all, of my instantaneous mood swings, all in a downward direction, is a sudden change in plans, a complete altering of expectations. When something like that happens, I can go from sweet to sour in a blink of an eye, and I'm lousy at hiding it, too. People around me can tell right away that some switch inside me has been flipped, and of course, the person who sees this most often, and also bears the brunt of my unfurled fury, is my wife. Here's an example. My wife and I have lived in rural Wisconsin for about four years now, and we're about halfway between, between two so-called market towns, cities you know, of enough size that they have a variety of stores with an array of goods and necessities. So when we have a free day and we're in need of a variety of household amenities, we head either 45 minutes to our east or 45 minutes to our west to one of these market towns. And about a year ago, we'd seen a flyer in the mail from a big box hardware store that had a few items that we needed and they were at pretty good prices. So we made plans to go to this store in the market town to our east, a 45-minute drive away. The day came, we got in the car, and we were enjoying the drive to chat, catch up with one another. And as we neared the town, I asked my wife to pull up directions to the store on her phone, as I wasn't exactly sure where it was. So she took out her phone and got to work. A minute passed. Ninety seconds passed. I was getting confused, and if I'm honest, perhaps just the tiniest bit irritated. What's wrong? I asked. Knowing what a sudden change of plans, a complete alteration of expectations does to me, she said in a low, timid voice, I don't think there is one of those stores in this town. And I'm ashamed to say it, but it was like a bomb went off inside of me. At first, I was incredulous, so I pulled over, I parked, I took out my own phone. Surely she must be wrong. She wasn't. We had both thought there was one of those stores in the city we had just arrived in, but there wasn't. It was in the other city, the one now an hour and a half to our west. Another explosion within me. And why? Well, essentially because I had to turn around. I had driven three quarters of an hour in the wrong direction. I swung our car around, I pointed it back west, and I stomped on the gas pedal angrily, just fuming. My wife wisely sat quietly in her seat. Don't poke the bear. Well, if turning around in a car is hard, how much more so is turning around in life? What does it mean? It means admitting that we've been going the wrong direction. It means changing our plans and altering our expectations. Not just for shopping, but for our lives. 
It means surrendering what seemed like control and submitting to something else. In the spiritual life, of course, we call this turning around conversion. And that's our topic for today here on The Inner Life, repentance and conversion. Let's welcome our spiritual director today, Father Chris Walsh, pastor of St. Cecilia Church in Philadelphia. Welcome back, Father Walsh. Good to be with you again. Thank you so much, Patrick. A great joy to be with you on this on this Advent journey. And I know that feeling of having the monster inside of me poked. Oh man, it's it's just it, I I you know I'm I'm chuckling about it now, but man, in the moment, it just it it I, I become somebody else. It seems like and uh, so turning around um, when we when we reach that point, uh, conversion, you know. Maybe um, maybe we can just start with that. How does the church define uh, define just kind of repentance, uh, metanoia? I know is a is a is a topic or a word that's used often. This conversion experience. What? How does the church define that, Father? Yeah, I think that you know we have to start before we get into conversations about conversion and penance. Is 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 what is the goal, right? So as you and your wife were headed to the to the store, you, you had a sense of purpose of where you were going. And, and so for the same as uh, for us as Christians, that we have to have a sense of purpose and meaning that, that our lives are meant for the glory of God. Our, our lives are meant to live in accord with God and his plan and that that's our goal, that, that God's the one who's setting the standard. Right. If I'm setting my own standard, I probably don't need conversion because I'll probably meet the standard that I set for myself because it's probably going to be pretty low in most cases. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think we have to have this understanding, like again, from your opening story, that, that I'm headed someplace. Um, and, and then at times I realize I'm not going there. You know, I, I, you know, again, with your story, I might think I'm going to the big box store, but it turns out that I put in the wrong address. I've had that experience with the GPS where I'm um, oh, yeah. I, I put in the wrong town or the wrong street name. I spelled it wrong. And all of a sudden I realized, wait, I'm heading in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Now, I could, I could keep going and show up at someone else's house who I don't know, or I could stop and turn. And that's what metanoia is, a, a Greek word that implies a change, uh, possibly in direction. But the way it's most often used is a change in mindset a change in the way we're thinking. And I think that that's important for us because it's easy for us to just begin by focusing on the change of behavior. But oftentimes the reason we fail, at least the reason I know I fail, is because I'm focused on changing the behavior and not necessarily the mindset that leads to it, right? I I think and then I act. And so I think the really process of conversion is when, when the Lord asks us, um, and, and in Advent, we hear it in all the scriptures again and again right now from Isaiah, but certainly in the gospel as well. Change the way you're thinking. Change what you think is right. Change what you think is best. Change what you think you should be doing and do what God asks you to do. So the metanoia, the conversion, the repentance is this many actions at once where I realize I'm not headed where I should be headed and therefore I need to change my course. Yeah, yeah, very good. And since you brought up the the readings that we're encountering here in Mass during the Advent season, let's uh, let's take a take a chapter out of Matthew here. We get his his portrayal of that great preparer of the way, John the Baptist, this coming Sunday and the second Sunday of Advent. Um, 
he writes that John the Baptist appeared preaching in the desert of Judea, Judea. And what was he preaching? He was preaching, actually, repent. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is, hand, is at hand. And I'm, and I'm specifically focusing in on uh, his admonition to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were with him there. And he says, he says to them, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And then he adjures them produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. So maybe next question is, what are some of the dynamics of this passage? And uh, what is going on, Father? Um, What does he mean that the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Yeah. Um, You know, John the Baptist uh, lived uh, what we now call the Qumran community, which is where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found a few decades ago. It's it's a pretty low spot, literally. you know, ge- geographically, ge- geologically, very low. It's it's from there that you certainly would have ascended to Jerusalem. And John is living out there with other Jewish people. Um, some scholars believe that St. Andrew, whose feast day we celebrate the other day, brother of Peter, was living there uh, with John mm-hmm. the Baptist when he encountered Christ. But, but the community is focused on reading the scriptures, particularly the prophets um, and the Psalms, living a life of asceticism, right? We know from other gospels, John the Baptist is wearing camel's hair and eating grasshoppers. Makes every kid in church cringe when they hear that gospel <laughs> proclaimed. <laughs> right. Uh, but but why was he doing this? Well, his, his life was a, a penitential act. And people were coming out there experiencing a baptism of repentance, which the Jewish people had, and, and Orthodox Jews still have, called a mikvah in which people were invited to look at their life and hold it up to the standard of the prophets. You know, were you living as a person of justice? Were you living as a person of charity? And, and, and folks were coming out there because they knew they needed change. They, they wanted a radical change. And so that's why people were coming out to the desert. What changes that John is saying, the kingdom is at hand, which would have been language that they wouldn't necessarily have understood. Remember, the Jewish people have not had a king for, for, for a long time at this point. Right. Um, the, the kingdom has fallen apart. So their understanding of a kingdom was an earthly kingdom. And John is talking about something very different. And even in our times, that, that, that term, what does it mean that the kingdom of God is at hand? Well, well, well God's plan for you is here. Uh, the reign of God is here. That, that we need to place ourselves under the kingship of Christ, which we celebrated just two Sundays ago. Um, again, we don't live in a kingdom in America, but... You can read about it. You can watch documentaries, right? Most kingdoms, again, if, if you don't do what the king says, there's consequences. And, and, and so the same for this spiritual kingdom, that, that we have to live a certain way, the way that our king wants, um, which is very different than what the world wants, right? It's a kingdom marked by forgiveness, where, where the poor matter, um, where injustice should be our concern. Even if we can't undo it, it should at least bother us. Um, where we're called to love people, even those who don't love us. Uh, and, and so that's what I think John is preaching and why it's important for us. For Usually the second Sunday of Advent always features John the Baptist because we as Christians need to hear his message as well. Absolutely we do. Well, let's talk about repentance with our listeners as well. If you have a story about repentance, maybe there's a time when you returned to the Lord after being gone. Maybe it's after being gone for a long time. Maybe uh, you have a positive experience of confession 
that you'd like to share with us, please give us a call. Join the conversation. Our number here at The Inner Life, as always, is 888-914-9149. Again, the number to call is 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com, as we're speaking about repentance. Father, to go back to the uh, the Baptist, the baptizer, John the Baptist, and uh, his preaching, he then, as I said, he tells the people listening to produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. Now, how how is good fruit, and well, first of all, what does that mean, and how is it evidence of repenting? Yeah, I, I think that for fruit, we always should be drawn to Paul's letter to the Galatians chapter 5, where... He talks about the spirit, the fruits of the spirit of the world versus the fruits of the spirit of, of God, a godly spirit. If God's spirit is in us, what, what do we see? Love, joy, uh, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, and, and uh, gentleness. Um, so I think, I think that's the measure. Again, the world offers us fruits, right? Pleasure, power control, popularity. If we live the worldly standard, we'll see those things in our life. You know, you, Patrick, if you play your cards right by worldly standards, you'll be a, an internet influencer. Hmm. You'll, you'll have money. Um, you'll go to restaurants and people will recognize you and want to sit near you. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have no, um, no lonely nights because people will always want to be around you. You'll indulge yourself in, in good food and drink, right? That's the fruits of the world. And many people are pursuing them, right? Including as we approach Christmas. But God's looking for a different fruit, right? And Paul tells us. So this becomes, in a sense, our examination of conscience. Not only do we see this, but do those around us see this? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I often joke, Patrick, when I'm preaching, and I, I used it last week, that this idea that, that, that God wants to change us, um, you know, that, that, that idea of, of a sword being turned into a plowshare, right? That's, that's, a, that's an image of conversion, of change. And if you don't know what needs to change in your life, Patrick, ask your wife. <laughs> you are exactly right about that. No, right? no ask, question about that, Father. Ask the person who sits in the cubby next to you at work. Ask your kids or, the, or your kids' friends when you pick them up at basketball practice and they're 20 minutes late, hmm. right? People around us will give us insight. I have a friend who uh, went into therapy some years ago with a, with a really good Christian counselor just to deal with some family of origin stuff. And, and as they sort of worked through some things, uh, he sent out a, a letter to a group of, of, of close friends asking you know, what, what we observed about him sort of a, a 360 feedback kind of a thing. It was a great resource for him. He said he's, it's planned out all of his conversion. He's done it several times since, even though he's long since done working with the counselor, but to get feedback from people, right? Because why? Because we can deceive ourselves, Patrick. You know, again, if I'm setting my own standard, life is good. I'm not that bad. Okay, I lose my cool every now and then, but it's not that big of a deal. And then I ask my spouse, then I ask my kids, then I ask the people I work with, and they're saying, no, I, I, I tiptoe around near you. Or, man, you gossip a lot. Or you're, you're self-centered. Well, gee, then I, then I know where I need to really experience conversion. 
That's very true. Very true. Well, we've got a we've got a caller on the line here. I think has got some wise words to share with us. Rick is calling in from Sauk City, Wisconsin. Rick, welcome to the Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Hi. Well, have a good morning and everything. I just wanted to call in. I as I've grown older, I found that we oftentimes are led to believe that maybe reg- that uh, repentance is a singular act or a series of singular acts, but it really isn't. It's more of a um, it's more of an effort on our part to keep God first, and when we get out of alignment, to come back to confession mm-hmm. and um, to maintain our spiritual life sacramentally and penitentially, and that's what allows us to grow in, in sensitivity to our own sinfulness and, and also the mercy of God. and keeps our hearts off so we can continue in, um, in His grace, and um, it has revolutionized my experience of God and in my life, and I, I just think it's really important to maintain that. It's a great point, Rick. And and again, that softening of our hearts so that we can be humble enough to admit um, that maybe we're we're missing the mark and and, and need some some conversion. So so well done, and I uh, just 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 really congratulate you for continuing to have that sort of openness and humility in, in your own spiritual life. Yeah, that's very true, Rick, and I, I too, uh, thank you for that. Yeah, very solid piece of advice. It's, it's an excellent, uh, excellent reminder to us all that repentance is something that we're always called to, and that we can hear the words of John the Baptist this Sunday again and again and again, and let them sink deeper and deeper into our bones. We are speaking about repentance and conversion today, a very Advent-appropriate topic, especially as we're heading into the second Sunday of Advent. If you have a story about your own repentance, or if you've seen the fruits of repentance in another one, uh, and you'd like to share that story too, Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We're together with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh from Philadelphia, and we'll be back with more of The Inner Life after this short break. Stay with us. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Yeah, a little funky bass there as we're coming back in here talking about repentance and conversion. My name is Patrick Conley in for Josh Raymond today here on The Inner Life along with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh, pastor of St. Cecilia Church in Philadelphia. Now, Father, I wanted to get into um, another bit of scripture, especially as you were talking about, uh, you know, if we're pursuant after the fruits of the world, well, clearly, whatever we're pursuant after, whether we gain those fruits or not, um, if it's not the fruit of God, if it's not the fruits of the Spirit, then Galatians 5, as you you turned us toward there, there will be consequences. And this is from Acts chapter 17, where Paul's speaking to the Athenians at the Areopagus. And he says, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. And uh, I'm just, one of the dimensions of this whole repentance thing is judgment. So what is the proper posture for us in the context of God's coming judgment? Yeah, I was at a penance service uh, back in Lent, and the priest uh, shared the image of 
uh, he talked about a football game. He said, um, you know, imagine that the football game did not have four quarters with a specific time, that it just went on and on and on. He goes, our, our interest in football would sort of wane pretty quickly because it would just go on and on and on and you wouldn't know who won or who lost. But, you know, there needs to be an end and there needs to be, you know, a winner. And he said, let's apply that to life. Like, none of us like death. Um, you know, death is painful, especially when we lose someone unexpectedly or, or too early. Mm. But but what, what what's the other option? That we just sort of live here forever? That, that there's no end? There's no eternity? There's no judgment? And, and so I think that, you know, it's, it's putting the last things, as we say, all together. Um, death judgment, heaven and hell, that that they're essential to give us a framework by which we live life just the way, you know, a football player, even in the first quarter is thinking about the end of the fourth quarter. Yeah. And we're and working towards that. And so, again, we, we live in a time where if I take this supplement, and if I drink this tea, and if I use this lotion, I'm somehow going to live forever. No, you might have a healthier life. And Maybe you'll make it into your 80s and not your 70s like the rest of us, but but you're going to die. Uh, 70, 80, 90, 100, 120, you're going to die, and, and you're going to be judged. And I think what Paul is reminding the Athenians who, you know, they're, they're there in Athens. There's these, Paul's encountering all sorts of temples, including temples to a, an unknown God. Um, there's all sorts of debauchery going on, even though... The Greeks are pursuing virtue in a natural way. There, there's still some pretty horrible sins, which he addresses, certainly in his letter to Corinth and, and, and others. Um, and so this idea that, that we will be judged by God, mm -hmm. right? Not, not by our sister-in-law, who we think we're better than, and, and not by maybe the people from our Bible study who think we're the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> we're we're going to be judged by by God, who knows our heart, who knows our mind, who knows the grace that he's given us and the opportunities he's given us and says, okay, you're, you're going to give an accounting, right? There's that, there's that other gospel story, you know, where at the end of the day, okay, I invested in you. I gave you talents. What did you do with them? Right. And, and, and I don't know about you, Pat, but I, I cringe when I hear this thing. Okay, you, you worthless servant. You didn't, you didn't do enough. Oh, Lord, please, I don't want to hear that when I die. I don't. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so to keep that in mind, and that's why the church gives us the, the custom of the, the, the night prayer and a daily examination of conscience. When, when I pray the Liturgy of the Hours of Night Prayer, um, you know, it, it, it very specifically refers to death, you know, and, right. and, my, and my death. If I, don't, if I don't wake up in the morning, Lord, please have mercy on me. Um, and, and so that I'm constantly thinking about that uh, because it's actually good for me. Mm -hmm. We don't think about that, mm -hmm. but it is. It is good for us to think about the end, just like the athlete thinks about the end, the victory they, they desire. All right. So it seems like we may have uh, lost Father Chris Walsh, our spiritual director for the time. But uh, I will say well, that what I'm he was... Here? Oh, you are there. Okay, all right. Well, very good, Father. Sorry, we just me? lost you for a couple seconds. Can you hear us? Okay, I'm not sure what happened. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all right. That's all right. Well, I was yeah. going to say anyway, Father. Sorry about that. I'm not sure what happened. 
All right. Well, no problem. No problem. We'll uh, we'll just be grateful that you are back with us as we're speaking about repentance and conversion here on The Inner Life with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh from Philadelphia. And uh, Father, you were just talking about that mindset of keeping in mind our death and that that's the... That's the that's the thing that uh, can form, can and should form our spiritual lives. I, I can tell, just I can say just anecdotally, um, I'm teaching some religion to fifth and sixth graders right now, and uh, they have they have come down on me a couple times for how often we tend to get around and talking about death in our religion class, and uh, I don't apologize for it at all because I do think just what you were saying is that keeping that in mind that yes, someday we will face Almighty God and. Uh, Right now, I think it's all altogether appropriate for us to pray, may the Almighty Lord grant us a restful night and a peaceful death, right? And saying that, yes, may when we read him face to face. So, but maybe as a follow-up question, is um, is God's judgment something that we should be afraid of? Well, I guess that depends upon how we're living our life. Okay. Um, you know, uh, there's a sense of, of a healthy fear. I think, you know, sometimes the... The, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are, are listed as you know, fear of the Lord. Um, another way is, is holy awe, right? Just a, a sense of, of, of the wonder of God and the desire of God to, to, to bring me to heaven. God's not trying to keep us out of heaven, Patrick. God wants us in heaven. It's why he sent Jesus. It's why Jesus was born. It's why he teaches. It's why he set up a church. It's why he died and rose again. And so we don't have to convince him. But, you know, it's very clear, right? Matthew 25 gives us a standard. Mm. You know, when I was hungry, you gave me to drink. When I was thirsty, you, 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 you gave me um, drink. When I was lonely, you visited me. Um, other standards, you know, throughout the Gospels that are, are very, very clear that we, we can't be living selfish lives. Mm. And, and again, in my 20-some years as a priest, I've certainly encountered many more saints um, you know, than I ever would have imagined. People who are truly heroic in the way they live their life, mm-hmm. um, relying on God, living in charity. But I've also encountered people who were selfish right to the end, who were thinking only of themselves and almost didn't care about God or anything else. I don't know what happened to them, and I pray that God was merciful. And, and maybe there was hurt and pain that, 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 that was beyond what I could understand or what they could share. But, but the idea that people say, oh, well, no one goes to hell. Well, well, I don't know about that, but I don't want to find out. Right. I don't want to find out. I, I do believe that God is merciful. But there are people, and I've experienced them, and I think many of us in pastoral care have experienced them, who, who refuse the grace of God, mm-hmm. who are closed off to that. And we don't want that. What, what the caller Rick had said earlier, that softened heart that's always ready to receive uh, the gift that God gives us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good, wonderful. Our spiritual director again is Father Chris Walsh, and we are talking about repentance and conversion. If you have a story about repentance, or perhaps there is a time when you went to confession after a long period of time, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Let's go to the phones, Father. We've got Nick, who's calling in from Oceanside, California. Nick, welcome to The Inner Life. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to share my experience with you guys. Uh, I went to confession on Saturday last week um, after not being to confession since my first communion. <laughs> it's been quite some time. I had a lot, a lot, in, a lot weighing me down. 
Mm. And uh, I just want to let everybody know that um, anybody listening that has similar uh, things going on in their life where you're weighed down from things from the past, living a good life now, but you, you need to cleanse yourself. Um, I was able to do so on Saturday, and, and it was a, a weight lifted off of me, and I'm able to focus more on my job, my family, and uh, be a better person and, and just try to do my best going forward. And, and that's it. The, the, the moving forward in particular, um, step by step. Right? The, the idea that you know running the marathon starts with with, with a walk going forward mm. and and we're in this for the rest of our lives right uh, i I love conversion stories whether they're saints or people I encounter um, you know stories of folks who were in prison or, or down and out or in a recovery center and and just the grace and the opportunity of some blessed saint who was there and and, and lives are changed. And sometimes it happens instantly and, and powerfully. But I think for most of us, Patrick, the conversion is day by day, hour yeah. by hour. Yeah. Uh, you know, to quote Bruce Springsteen, it's what is it, you know, three steps forward and two steps back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but, but we just keep moving forward. We keep our eyes on the prize. We believe that God wants to save us. And, and, and we just keep stepping forward. And, and we become intentional about it. Advent, Lent when we're on retreat or a day of recollection or, you know, we're doing a, a Curcio retreat or an alpha workshop, there's moments where it becomes more heightened, but, but we just keep at it day by day by day. Mm -hmm. That's very, that's very important. And, and as Rick, our first caller said too, that it is a day by day thing, but Nick, let me, um, before we let you go, if I may, uh, and if you're, if you're open to sharing, what was it that led you back to the confessional after a long time? Um, I, I would actually like to <clears throat> thank thank you guys at Relevant Radio. Um, you guys have been a big help. I've been listening to you for about the past four or five years. Just came across scrolling through the radio. I was sick of listening to the same music all the time. And uh, and once I heard you guys, it, it's always something I go back to. And um, luckily I was, you know, raised in the Catholic faith. But, uh, you know, getting older and, and, you know, having a family and all these things happening, um, just having that confession, being able to get that off my chest. Um, I, I give a lot of credit to you guys for what you do and, and um, you know, making sure that the Word of God is out there and uh, the graces that we get from Him. Absolutely. Well, we are grateful that you you are... you do listen to relevant radio and that you've had other spiritual influences i'm sure in your life that have brought you back to the confessional and i you can be assured of this nick you, you've got people praying for you right now that it will continue and uh if uh, we pray for you please pray for us as well thank you for for uh sharing that with us nick father that's a that's such a good that's a, it's just a, such a good jumping off point is that uh, just how do we get to that point um when we can when we can turn around what are some of the ways that perhaps our listeners can be such influences on others that to bring them to repentance because i don't think all of us are called to have that ministry of john the baptist and and uh maybe shout it from the mountaintops, repent, you know, but we all are called to call others to repentance. So any ideas about how we can do that with family members, loved ones, friends? Yeah, I, I thought for a long time, Patrick, that 
you know, the, the great wisdom of, of the 12-step programs. Mm. Um, you know, when, when we apply it to, you know, the, the spiritual life, um, the, the, the reality is, is that the 12-step programs, although many times these days, um, the experience of people at NA or, or, or NA is uh, increasingly secular, right? Higher power, this kind of stuff. As you probably know, the, the very roots of the 12 steps, you know, were very much in Catholic spirituality, in particular Ignatian spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's a theology of grace that exists there. And, and how is it that 12 step programs become a blessing to others? Well, someone's living the life, right? And so when we talk about conversion, maybe, uh, uh, you know, someone in our family or our circle of influence comes to mind who needs conversion. I think that's the wrong way to go. We first and foremost should think of ourselves. I need mm. conversion. Mm. There's something in my life that needs conversion. There's some sin that's active in my life right now th that I need to overcome. Well, how do I do it? Again, the 12 steps. I, I admit I'm powerless over. I can't do it myself. Mm -hmm. Right? I, I need to surrender to God. Um, and then secondly, I, I believe that God can, can bring about grace. Right? Again, the, the, the self-help mentality of America... Of, of, of this 21st century has probably influenced Christians far more than most of us think, hmm. right? But when we do diet programs, we do exercise programs, we increase our effectiveness at work. It, it, it's all self-help and, and there's some good things there and it certainly increases virtue in, 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 in some ways and, and betters our health. But when it comes to conversion and repentance, we rely on the help of God, hmm. you know? And so what's step three? I, I turn my will over to God, right? I'm not going to do it my way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? And, and then fourth, what I do? I make a moral inventory. That's an examination of conscience. Where is the sin coming from? Where, where's the roots, right? And then I begin to admit to other people, right? How different the story plays out that you opened up with when you turn to your wife and say, wow, you know, I, I have a short fuse and I'm not sure where this anger comes from or maybe it's my pride, um, my control issues. I'm very sorry and I really want to change. Boy, how different the narrative of that ride home becomes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Just a radical difference, right? As we admit to other people, which is what the Christian community is supposed to do, right? We stand there on Sunday morning, all saying, Lord have mercy, I, Christ have mercy, or I confess. Imagine how different if you turn to your family members and talk about one sin that you were really struggling with. That might, mm -hmm. that might make people come to Mass more if they could overhear people's uh, sharing that. Yeah. Right? And then as the steps go on, uh, and it, we have to have a plan. You know, if, if, if my struggle is gossip, well, I, I've got to be intentional that when I talk with certain people, right, people, places, and things, um, I know I'm going to gossip. And so I, I, I have to be resolved that I'm not going to do that. Um, you know, it, it, we have to think intentionally. We don't just change automatically. God's going to give us the grace, but we have to have a plan and I believe someone who's going to help keep us accountable, whether it's a confessor. And I do think that's where regular confession comes in, um, mm -hmm. in, in, in that I'm constantly paying attention in a particular way to that area of my life where I'm seeking conversion. Yeah, yeah. Excellent advice from our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh from St. Cecilia Church in Philadelphia. As we're speaking about repentance and conversion, if there was a time where you experienced a return to the confessional, perhaps, or a turning around in your own life, 
and how that is continuing to play out as you continue to turn more and more toward the Lord. Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. We're going to take another short break, but we'll be back with more of The Inner Life right after this. I just want to say real quick, thanks to everybody that calls in. It's so encouraging. What a great community it is. All the shows on Relevant Radio all day long. They're so uplifting. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant. Relevant Radio. The Catholic Order of Foresters, the sponsor of our studio's line, is hiring today. Several positions available throughout the U.S. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF an Illinois Life Insurance Society not licensed in all states. Now won't you tell me where could I go but to the Lord? Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Raymond today. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and also Sarah Tafoya and Cyrus Cisco, who have been taking us, Simcoe, who have been taking your phone calls. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's a team effort. And uh, it also is a team effort to turn ourselves around. We've been speaking about repentance and conversion and uh, seeing the example of others, even admitting to one another where we're struggling. Can that, can that, that can be a springboard into turning our spiritual lives around around as well. Our spiritual director today is Father Chris Walsh, pastor of St. Cecilia Church in Philadelphia. And Father, just to go back to something you were just introducing before that break um, about uh, our own conversion, focusing on our own conversion, you were using the example of the 12 steps there as well. Let me throw at you the question about, I know there's something in my life that I want to change, um, but I, I guess I can say that I want to change, but I don't really want to change. You know, that there's something that uh, I know should be different, perhaps, but I haven't yet really formulated the desire for change. So any ways that uh, we can cultivate a desire to turn, a desire to repent, a desire to change and convert? Yeah, this this is where the, the, the church's whole theology and, and teaching around conscience comes in, Patrick, where... Um, you, you know, do I, is this wrong, right? And so, you know, we have this objective teaching from the church or something right out of the scriptures where this is wrong, this kind of stuff. Okay, well, now I have to apply it to my life. And I'm not, I'm not getting into moral relativism here, but I need to make a decision. Okay, well, how does this apply to me? How do I, how do I justify what I'm doing? How do I compare it to here's the standard? Um, and, and sometimes what I need to do is I, I need to read and study more. Right, I need to, I need to come to an understanding on this. Um, you know, I think that's particularly the case in 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 in, in a, a couple of areas that are in many people's lives: um, sins of racism and prejudice, which people often don't think about. Um, maybe because they haven't thought about it, they haven't they haven't dug deeper, they haven't explored something. I, I think uh, sometimes, certainly, areas around sexuality. And I think, uh, you know, the use of artificial birth control, you know, folks have sort of dismissed the church's teaching without fully really understanding what it is. Maybe there's a tug on their heart every now and then if they're at a conversation or they hear a homily, but they don't really get it. And so it just sort of gets dismissed. Um, I, I think honesty at work um, and I think I think sins against charity, gossip and slander mm-hmm. and. And, and, and ruining, particularly social media. And then I think, you know, we have to think about it. We have to read about it. 
Um, and then what if I get to the point, okay, yeah, now I'm convinced. Now I'm convinced, but I'm still really comfortable with my sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I'm not sure I want to give it up yet. And so what do I do then? Well, God, give me the desire. Increase my desire. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's, that's the move. Uh, that's where the conversion really happens. When I talk to folks who struggle with addiction um, or alcohol, uh, drugs, shopping, pornography, eating, right? That's often where, where they get the freedom is, is God give me the grace. The venerable Matt Talbot from Ireland, you know, he tried everything to get sober, but then when he went and knelt in front of the Blessed Sacrament and said, give me this desire, and then it was almost like instantaneous. Hmm. Um, so I think that that's where, when we come in a sense of earnestness and say, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to change. Remember the prayer of Augustine for many years. He intellectually knew <laughs> yes. that he needed to change, but he wasn't ready. Uh, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. But not yet, right? You yeah, know? exactly. Uh-huh. But not yet. Yeah, that's and that's that's it. I mean, that's it's reality. It's something that we we face, and uh, I think I do think that you're right in saying. Yeah, maybe it's just as simple as asking, asking for the desire to change. What about the the role of grace in repentance, Father? You talked a little bit about that, that the repentance itself is something that's a gift from God as well. How can we, uh, how do we rely on that grace? I think first off is, is there's something called prevenient grace, that before we even ask for it, the grace is being given, mm-hmm. right? Why? Because God wants okay. you in heaven. God wants your conversion. And so that grace is always being poured out. Um, I, I think the, 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 the grace of, of the sacraments, you know, um, I have lots of conversations with people when they're struggling with habitual sin. Should they come to the Eucharist still or does that preclude them? And, you know, I think it depends on, on, on each case, because I think sometimes it's going to be the grace of the, of the Eucharist and certainly the grace of continuing to go to confession that's going to lead to freedom. Um, and and I, I've had those testimonies from, from many, many people who are trying to overcome, you know, serious sin in their life of, of different types. Um, and when they make the commitment to daily Mass, if, if not every day, several days a week, where the, the Eucharistic grace is what's bringing them a sense of conversion, you know, the, mm-hmm. the ability that I can do this as I rely on God, a prayer. Um, and I think God ministers grace through other people as well. And again, I think this is a value for married couples when they're able to really confide in each other their spiritual journey and say, you know, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with pride. I'm struggling with greed, whatever it is. And, and that your spouse prays with you um, and, and that your spouse is ministering that grace to you, right? We, we know that in marriage, the couple are ministering grace to each other, but sometimes we think it's just about, you know, being faithful in good times and in bad sickness and health. No, I think it's also just in, in living your own life as a, as a Christian on, on your way to heaven. And, and I think letting your, your spouse, and I think for parents, you know, ministering that grace to your kids. Yeah, yeah. What about, uh, we've talked a lot about um, con- con- repentance and conversion in the context of confession. We've had the sacrament of confession. Uh, you, you know, Rick gave us a, a great example of uh, of how it's an ongoing thing, and, and you've just mentioned how it's important to have regular confession in our lives. Nick talked about uh, how he had been back to confession after 30 years, uh, or after a significant amount of time anyway. Um, but what about uh, what about asking for forgiveness from others? And I'm specifically thinking, since you just brought up marriage, Father, um, 
if we need to repent within our marriages or within uh, with a friend, with a loved one, how can we ask for forgiveness from our spouse, our loved one, our friend? Mm. Yeah. Well, you ask. You know, um, uh, we, we have to humble ourselves, right? We have to humble ourselves and first off, believe that we were wrong. You know, and the scripture says, go to the person, right? I'm, I'm, I did this. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Um, I, I also believe that offering forgiveness and receiving forgiveness on our part can very much ignite the conversion process in the life of the other person hmm. who maybe has never been forgiven. Or who has never been, um, you know, asked for forgiveness. So, so I, I think that's the, you know, the the power, um, you know, of of forgiving others in our own conversion process, um, is that it becomes a blessing to the person that we forgive or ask forgiveness from, and opens to them the possibility of a freedom that they never knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I. I just meditating on that about how our own receiving but also offering forgiveness that that can be such a such a catalyst for conversion repentance in in others uh, that's that's what i have seen in my own life that's what has has prompted me a lot is when somebody i do see a true example of humility you were talking about that and uh, just specifically how that has fueled my own sense of that's how i want to live you know i see it being offered and modeled for me and then that's how I want to go. Any uh, any particular saints that come to mind, Father, that would be good people to invoke their prayers but also who serve as good examples of repentance and conversion? Sure. I mean, obviously we go to St. Paul, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who, And just to put it in context, like Paul was a religious man but was also very blind and was involved in the killing of Christians. And so I think that there is a a, t- a time today, right? The 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 division that we exists within the church um, between whether it's the Novus Ordo versus the Latin Mass, or the you know uh, divine uh, flame of love versus the regular Rosary, or kneel for communion or stand for communion. I think there's still some stuff with the COVID re- regulations, right? There, there's a righteousness and a Phariseeism that we can have on all sides, depending upon what your issue is. Um, and I think that willingness to be, to, to recognize in ourselves the way Paul did, you know, here I am, I'm a religious observant person, but boy, I'm, I'm blind to a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, and God's going to help me see. Of course, Augustine, you know, who was, who was trapped in, in very serious sin um, and sort of had an intellectual conversion bef- and, and a, a conversion of mind before the behavior followed. Um, you know, and then I think even in, in modern times, if it's, I think we have to figure out what we're struggling with and then find the saint that sort of lines up with that. If there's a selfishness, you know, Therese admitted that she was a selfish, spoiled child. And so she'd be a great model and intercessor as we overcome selfishness with, with, within our lives. Um, I think for generosity between spouses, certainly Gianna Mola and her husband um, and, and, and their example of generosity uh, to each other and, and, and to their children. Um, I mean, I think the, the list goes on and on. We often focus on saints in their, 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 their life of sanctity, but, but every saint has a background, right? And I think mm-hmm. modern, modern biographies of saints are, are willing to highlight that. They're not scrubbing them clean, right. but making them people who had, had struggles. 
Right. We have under a minute here before we need to get your blessing, Father. But uh, I do see that uh, we won't put her on the air, but Donna has called in with a question. What, how, what if you forgive someone, but they don't think they need to be forgiven? Any response to that quickly? Sure. Uh, fine. You still forgave them. Um, you know, the grace is on you. Um, if, if, if they're thinking, okay, well, I didn't do anything, whatever. Okay, well, that's, that's their sin of pride. Please, God. But, but don't underestimate the fact that there is grace moving in their life because you forgave them. They might not willing, be willing to admit it to you because of their own pride or, or stubbornness. Uh, but, but don't underestimate that the grace is moving. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Donna. Thank you for calling in. I'm sorry we weren't able to get you on the air. But, uh, well, Father, this is uh, obviously it's a, it's a topic that is central to our lives of faith. But it's also um, very appropriate for this Advent season. And as we are moving into the last minute of the show here, Father, could we get a blessing from you, please? Certainly. Through the intercession of all the angels and saints, may Almighty God bless you and guide you on your journey of Advent, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So grateful to our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh, the pastor of St. Cecilia Church out there in Philadelphia. And thank you to you for tuning in and listening to The Inner Life here on Repentance and Conversion. Remember, you can always hear past shows of The Inner Life on RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. And don't forget to join us for the Family Rosary Across America each each day at 7 p.m. Central with Father Rocky. So grateful again. My name is Patrick Conley that I was able to sit in for Josh Raymond today and grateful that you have joined us as well. Be blessed, my friends, and have a wonderful Advent season. We'll speak to you again very soon.